Welcome to Burning Daylight, the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, Daylight Burners. <clears throat> uh, how Most of you be hearing this on Friday or Saturday, so happy weekend. Um, got Caleb Hawley back on the show for real this time. We, uh, we're uh, Starlink buddies now as well as cowboy buddies, so it's... Uh, it's a crazy world we live in, but I, I love the the mix of old school and, and then all this new technology. Uh, Caleb, you there? Yes, sir. Yep. Oh, it, there we go. I okay. thought it bumped for a second, but yep, I'm in here. Yeah, so anyway, I, th- I think it's pretty neat because <clears throat> you're out in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. I'm out in not quite as middle of the no of nowhere Nevada but still pretty pretty damn rural and uh and we got like blazing fast internet and yeah working did, horseback for a living does it sound a little bit better than the last time we tried this yeah yeah that uh i was having audio issues on my end too and i was man it was i was having hell but uh yeah i was i was i was really bummed too cuz i was i was looking forward to just sitting shooting the shit with you and then yeah, technology is a, is a bear sometimes, but man, when it works, yes, it's sir. pretty freaking cool. Yeah, that that's 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 for sure. Yeah. So uh, how's uh, how's Wyoming? You guys get uh, thawed out yet? Mostly, yeah. We've been up here. We've been in the low to mid sixties. I don't think we've quite got up to seventy yet, but we've kind of got close and. Uh, been having a few little spring thunder showers and you can just about hear the grass growing. Nice. Uh, you're, uh, you're around Saratoga. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sir. That's that. That's like, uh, just a big freaking plateau up there. Like you're, you're on literally on top of the world. And uh, in, in that, yeah. Part of the... And where I'm at, I'm, I'm on the eastmost end of the ranch and I'm just below the west side of elk mountain. Oh, okay. okay. So I get I get all that weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's that's that stretch of uh, I-80 where they have the snow fences uh, like a mile back because <laughs> the wind blows the snow so damn bad there. Yeah, and I this winter it got so bad because uh, we've got the same snow fences on the highway going from 80 to Saratoga. They mm-hmm. were drifted over. No shit. It was that- unreal. That's crazy. Um, we went over to uh, over the hill for uh, for spring break over to Windsor, and we went we went over eighty eight. And son of a bitch, I've never seen so much snow. Oh, I'll bet they. Uh, you know those like those big uh, brown uh, national forest signs. Yeah. Uh, all you could see of of those was like the top, you know, top right corner. Like the rest of it was just buried. Yeah. It was uh, it was wild. I was seeing, I forget who shared it on Facebook today, but there was uh, there's a bunch of pictures of them uh, digging trails out for the, and you know they're they're just pushing cows through walls of snow. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. So I I saw those same ones. So that's just over the mountain to the east from me. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
been, like I said, we're pretty well. I mean, we've got some snow drifts in the shade and and whatnot, but on the east side of the mountain, they got it way worse than we do. Jeez, yeah, that's that's wild. Um, Wyoming's tough country. It's 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 it is some that. of my. It's some of my favorite to drive through, but man, it's uh, it's tough country. There's a reason there's not many people that live there. Exactly. Yeah, you spend spend winter here, and you figure out pretty quick why it's the least populous state in the lower forty-eight. Yeah, and uh, I saw another thing on Facebook, and uh, and it was funny how how many people from Wyoming uh, were in the comments on it, but it was like the top. I think it was like top six windiest states in the country and Wyoming wasn't anywhere on the list. And I was like, bull really? shit, bullshit. Your list is inaccurate, sir. Yeah. I don't believe that for a minute. No. And Colorado wasn't on the list either. And I was like that bullshit. You guys are, you guys are uh, out of your mind. Like they had yeah, the Dakotas. They pulled, they pulled that out of their ass. <laughs> yeah. They, they had the, the Dakotas and Nebraska and Montana on it but hmm. but not Wyoming and Kansas was on there they didn't have Wyoming they didn't have Colorado I don't think they had Oklahoma either of course I don't know what I don't I don't imagine eastern Oklahoma doesn't get all that windy but yeah I don't know <laughs> I've never really been down that way but I haven't either um uh, not a whole lot anyways but um yeah I know because like the the west side of Colorado blows quite a bit too, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah the east side that's all it does is blow and oh yeah <laughs> and Wyoming same like yeah Wyoming is just windy everywhere yeah when you know if we have if we have a day where the wind doesn't blow everything kind of falls over yeah <laughs> yeah you don't know what to do like you yep. get way uh you get you t- get a little top heavy because you're so used to leaning into the wind yes sir. Horses, uh, how the, how do the horses take it, uh, and, and that, you know, because wind makes makes a horse pretty goofy if they're not used to it. Yeah, you know, they, seems like most of them out here just kind of have to get used to it pretty quick because it's just there all the time. Yeah, I know when, when I was in Kansas, uh, it was only those, like, those really, really windy days, you know, like, just, yeah, uh, just the mess, the, it, you know, at the day you try not to get horseback if you don't have to, and yes, sir. and that those days your the horses get pretty goofy, but yeah, after a while they just they get used to it. They don't like it, but they get used to it, I guess. No, that that's fact. Yeah, we've yeah, you know, and they kind of if you got to turn around and go into it, that doesn't make them too happy. No, not not a bit, but they'll. uh yeah, it's uh, I don't know the the wind's just it's uh, I don't know you you get accustomed to it I guess I don't know if you ever get used to it because it it just it eats at you. Oof. Yeah, it it absolutely does. And like pe- people have asked me, you know, since I've been out here, how how the wind compares to back there in Nevada or whatever, and I said, well, we'll. You know, I've seen it get as windy, but it doesn't stay as long. Yeah. You know, we'll have that wind, and maybe we'll have it for half a day or a day. And, you know, since I've been out here, you'll have three, four days where the wind just howls and it doesn't stop. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and when it when it finally slows down to like thirty mile an hour, that's a nice day where <laughs> you can you can go do something. Yeah, that's for sure. And like we had, that was you know we had the second highest snowfall in recorded history in this area this winter. No shit. Uh, and and that was bad enough, but we had so much strong winds with it that the drifting was you know was by far the worst part and there's one day oh i don't remember when it would have been it probably would have been in february i want to say but sometime this winter and i woke up in the middle then there was supposed to be a storm blowing in but i woke up in the middle of the night because the house was shaking yeah i i remember some of those days in uh in colorado and uh kansas are just you know, it was like um it's like twenty eleven, twenty twelve, um, when the last big drought was was at kind of the tail end. Yeah. And it was just like there was nothing green in uh in the high plains area. Like there was nothing green except, you know, like irrigated corn. Sure. Everything else was just various various shades of yellow and brown. And and the like any any time the wind blew, the dust was was blowing with it, and it was I was miserable. And I think they're kind of back back to that point right now. But we <laughs> we had this little uh this little like uh how it was like a club car, I think uh, you know one of those golf cart. Um, oh yeah, but it was a side by side with the you know with the bed on it, and we had a little had a little welding trailer that we pulled behind it and. You know, you could you can smell those those dust storms rolling in before the wind ever hits you. You can just it just mm-hmm. it just smells like like plowed dirt all of a sudden, and then just boom, then the wind hits, and you know you see you see it looks like a cloud on the horizon, but it's it's just dirt, and then then you smell it, and then yeah, then the wind finally hits you, and you're just like, holy fuck! Yeah. And uh, <laughs> one of the Mexican guys that was on the the maintenance crew, I guess he was the maintenance crew at that. At that point in time, he, uh, you could see this, this dust storm blowing in and he was trying to get back to the shop on that little club car. And it looked like, uh, looked like a scene out of, um, the mummy, you know, when they're out running the sandstorm. Oh yeah. And it, it looked exactly like that. He was, I mean, the thing only went about 15 mile an hour and he was trying to outrun this, this dust storm, just barely made it to the shop before before it really hit hmm. ah, i got i got stuck in one of those i was uh i was getting done for the day and i uh, i just put my horse up and i was headed back into the barn and uh that that dirt hit and i just had to hold on to the fence i was like just duck your head and wait till it, uh-huh. there's a little bit of a, a gap and then ran into the barn yeah that's that's no fun Nah, it that sucks. I yeah, I uh those uh those old timers that that lived through the thirties, they were that was something else. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they had to they used to have to drag a a chain behind them to to ground out their the the vehicle when when those uh dust storms would blow through because the all that topsoil was so magnetized that it it short out their cars. I'll be damned. Yeah, it was wild. That is wild. 
I uh, <laughs> how how was it up uh, up in that country before this year? Was it pretty pretty decent on on grass, or were they in a drought too? They're kind of in a drought, and it, and that that was actually kind of funny for me because I I came out here in the summer of 2021 mm. from Nevada, and everybody was talking about how hot and dry it was, and I I didn't really see what the problem was, but. But you know, it's just for for here. It was it was pretty droughted out, and uh, yeah, like last year, you know, we, water was was a real struggle. We we still had moderate feed, but we struggled a lot with water on some of our desert ground. Mm. How uh, how big a country is that? Like, uh, what what's your what's a circle out on desert look like for for that part of the world? I'm. Like I said, on on my side, on the east side, we're a little bit smaller, but if you flatten us out, we'd probably be bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you get out west. I don't know what it'd be miles. We've got some we've got some pretty good sized country out there, and it's just big sagebrush flats mostly. Yeah. And uh yeah, like I said, they've got some pretty decent water out there. They've got a they call, they call it Sage Creek, and it it flows through a lot of that country, and it it's not much of a creek, but there's usually water in it. Uh, yeah, but like all the dirt tanks were dry, and there's a lot of springs that were dry or just mud puddles, and we we kind of struggled with that a lot last year. But this year, uh, so in fact, so my boss, you know, because I've only been here for two years, there's a dirt tank out in one of my pastures we just got turned out the other day and there's a big old dirt tank out there and it's full and he said that's the first time in i think 12 years he's seen water in it really that's so, wow that, yeah. that must have been a pretty good either a pretty good drought or uh you know or one hellacious i, I <laughs> think i think it's a combination of both yeah you know, I'm like talking with a buddy of mine who's been in this country a while. He said, yeah, that's that's the thing, you know, is when you get in a drought like that, it takes a hell of a winter to get you out of it. Yeah. Well, and it takes so much more nowadays when with all the, you know, the, all the wells that they drill for irrigation and and shit. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that's one one good thing. We don't we don't have so much of that out here. There's. Oh, there's there's a few pivots scattered here and around, but most most everything around here that's irrigated is flood. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's uh, <clears throat> I I was I was hearing the other day like down in Arizona there there's something like ten thousand acres of of irrigated alfalfa that just goes straight to Saudi Arabia. And, really? Yeah. And I mean, it's fucking Arizona, <laughs> you know, there, there's yeah. not a lot of water <laughs> there already. And, and, but they're, they're using Arizona water to grow alfalfa for Saudi Arabian dairies. I'll be damned. Yeah. I was like that. Maybe that shouldn't, that, that maybe that's not a great idea. Yeah. I wouldn't say so. Yeah. I, uh, that gets real tricky when you have, uh, you know, I, I like when you have a bunch of foreign countries own, owning agricultural land like that. Yeah, that gets a little sketchy. 
I'm not much for the government um, outlawing a whole lot of anything, but I, I'd kind of be on board with that. Like foreign companies probably shouldn't, or foreign countries shouldn't own agricultural land. Yeah, and if they're going to, there should there should at least be kind of a maybe an acreage limit on that. Yeah, no shit. Or uh, I mean, I, I'm not. I have no problem with a, a guy exporting his alfalfa, but right. I'm I'm not a fan of you know the Saudi Arabian company owning the the land and then exporting the product. Well, yeah, there's there's a big difference there. That, yeah, yeah, I, I'd have to yeah. agree with you on that. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, that that Colorado River deal is going to be a. I mean, it's already a pretty major issue, but with with this year, it'll recharge pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it's funny they always blame like uh like alfalfa farmers and and some sort of some sort of agriculture industry and then they never mention how that like there's never a brown blade of grass on a golf cart anywhere or on a golf course anywhere. I was yeah, exactly. There's exactly. Uh, and then and, and good and, grief, I'd like to know the figures on how many acres are under golf courses. Right, and uh, like so much water they use, and then all, like oh, yeah. every everybody in those in the city's got a pool in their backyard, and it's like, yeah. Yep. I mean, if, if you want to point fingers, I mean, like, not, it's not that we don't use a lot of water, we do, but we're actually doing something with it. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, if you know, I mean, I suppose some from golf courses does too, but if you think about swimming pools and lawns and things like that not a lot of that water ever makes it back to the aquifer no no yeah. it's uh yeah it's kind of wastewater and then yeah it, i don't know and then <clears throat> i mean it's it's like when with flood irrigation the further on down the stream you are the less the quality quality of water is you know yeah, absolutely and uh <clears throat> yeah so like even though that you know like the the wastewater that gets you know gets pushed back into the river well like the the farmer down the way that his, that's you know less quality water he's got um yep. and yeah it's just i don't know there's a it, it seems like they 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 want to point the finger our way but they uh i mean that's a productive use of water. And I'd say golf course kind of is too, you know, there's a lot of business that gets settled on golf courses and whatnot. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they turn a profit, um, the pools and whatnot do too. But I just like when it, when you put all that compared to like growing feed for cattle, uh, or you know, for any sort of livestock that gets made into feed or, you know, food for, for human consumption, I think I consider that a lot more of a productive use of a resource you know oh absolutely i mean if we if we don't <laughs> eat none of this happens right and so like you know prioritize drinking water and uh and sewage for the cities of course you can't oh, yeah. you can't have the cities getting any grosser than they already are <laughs> that's a fact and uh yeah so you gotta you gotta prioritize that and then yeah productive use of of that water that's uh that's the that's the thing and <clears throat> i don't know it's uh it's one of those things i, I don't know what 
I don't think anybody's got a real great solution to it. Um, but there's uh there's a lot more people living out west and uh and that Colorado River is getting pretty pretty strained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well I mean shoot just look at what's you know, I don't remember how long ago it's been, but look at Owens Valley and Independence Valley down there in California and what it mm-hmm. used to be what it is now. Yeah. Well, they were, uh, remember when they were going to build that, that like crypto city somewhere? I think it was kind of somewhere over by Reno. And I was, I don't don't know about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they were, they were going to build this, this like futuristic city. And it was going to be like a bunch of tech startups and, cryptocurrencies and it sounded awful honestly yeah (laughs) that that sounds terrible (laughs) like it sounded like um just uh like a version of the jetsons but with people like mark zuckerberg walking around everywhere you know (laughs) it's like sounded like one of the worst places i've ever heard but they were gonna they were gonna pump uh they were gonna get their water from up at Gerlach and just and pipe it down to mm. to the, this like future city but i i don't think that ever went through i don't I'm, i don't know if like anything uh was ever agreed on or, or whatnot but uh as far as i know there's no been hasn't been any sort of construction like that but well we'll we'll say that's a good thing i think so i mean i'm I'm all about you know bringing some business to Nevada, but that one it seems a little weird. It seems a little like culty and and like not a not yeah. the good kind, like not even the good kind of cult where where there's a bunch of sex. That one just seems like a bunch of you know, like a bunch of autistic nerds. Yeah, that that sounds like a horrible idea. Mm. Yeah, it's just uh, it it just it sounded really weird. And then, like, I've never been up to Gerlach, but from what I understand, there's not much of anything up there. And, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. There, there's there's not much at all up there. So so they were just like, yeah, we'll just take the water from up there. We'll buy it from there. And, uh, like, well, that, that kind of, that'll suck for the three people that live there, but. Um, yeah, I can't imagine that there's that much water that they could get up there anyway. Yeah, I mean that's that's the Black Rock, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean it's uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't. It was uh, it it yeah. It's hard to imagine that there'd be enough for uh, you know, a full city. Um, yeah, I don't know. It it's weird <laughs> that. Yeah, that this, is that's super weird. I guess the good thing about uh being a desert is a like. It kind of deters people from from living there, just strictly on the water issue alone. Oh, for sure. And a lot of pe- a lot of people get get tired of. Uh, well, I got I sent uh, last time I was in Nevada. I sent a bunch, but uh, I think I just put it on my Snapchat or whatever. But I was like, one thing that some people fail to realize about Nevada is just how fucking brown it is. Hmm. It is is very brown and uh brown and gray and yeah. 
And once you once you get outside of like the Reno Tahoe area, it is a long way to anywhere. Yes. I mean, it, it it is just a long way from like you get you know, once you get outside of Reno, like Fernley's about an hour outside of Reno, and then it's like another hour to to Lovelock, and then it's like boom, two to three hours on 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 the interstate. Yeah. And then then you get like central Nevada and man, that's even further apart. And then <clears throat> yeah, southern I mean it just it is a long ways to anywhere outside of the like I said, Reno Tahoe and then <laughs> I guess Elko, there's you know, there's a few towns a little bit closer together, but even so they're not very very close. No. No. And you know, besides Elko, not much not much up there has any size to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's all all little bit little bitty towns in there. Yeah. <laughs> They're a long way apart. I uh I thought uh where where did you grow up at? I grew up mostly there around Dayton and oh, okay. uh and when I was a uh, little bit younger, um my dad was working for state parks. Uh, well, shoot, you're gonna you, you know because you're from around there. You know where Weeks is in Buckland Station. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess until I was ten or eleven, we lived in that ha- that house behind Buckland Station there. Oh no shit. Yep. Yeah. Huh. That's I was cool. gonna, I, I was gonna say green, but I don't know what color it is now. So <laughs> that's pretty cool though. Yeah, it was. It was a su- super cool place, and with the wildlife refuge there, and we we'd go out there and ride and screw off, and it it was a pretty cool place. Nice. Yeah, it's it's really funny how Nevada is. Uh, it's some of like in in spots is like some of the most lush, green, beautiful places on earth, and then then just desolate. Uh, yeah. And others. And like, and real close together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, because like Carson Valley might be one of the most picturesque, beautiful places on earth. Like that, it's it's a little the view kind of sucks nowadays because there's too many damn houses. But uh, man, I'd have loved to have seen that. Like when they were, you know, the like the first Mormons put in that, you know, that <laughs> that Mormon station up there at Genoa. Oh, it would have uh, been something. Uh, just something else, but yeah, and then you go just you know forty miles, and it is nothing, nothing but just desert as far as you can see, and and not not much uh, green around it, and it's uh yeah, it, it's it's funny how how quick it changes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's there's no there's nowhere else quite like it. No, there's uh, it's it's. It's pretty unique, just uh, yeah, that high desert country. It's uh, well, then I mean, sent kind of the same way, like Elko, Lamoille area. Like, oh yeah, yeah, those rubies are pretty. Oh and yeah, then, you go up Lamoille in the fall. Yeah, or in the spring, or, or like when it's but... yeah, when it's just greening up and there's still still snow on the on top and <laughs> like a lot of snow on top, but it, everything's starting to green up and like man, it's some of the most beautiful country I've seen. And then, yeah, not very, not very quick or not very far. And it goes right into big desert. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's uh oh it's it's interesting it's uh it's it's a it's a i i like nevada a lot i i'm a colorado kid through and through but <laughs> nevada's nevada's pretty damn cool yeah i like i i, I love nevada too like i i mean i'm kind of like i there's very few places that i've ever been that i haven't found something to like about but nevada's pretty special yeah i um you know i lot you know that southeast corner of Colorado is always always my home. It's it's where I grew up, and it's not that country ain't good for much. But it it made some pretty pretty tough people, <laughs> the ones that stuck out the dust bowl, and it's uh it's a different type of country. And like I said, it it it's kind of pretty in its own ways. And you know if you get some you get some rain, that buffalo grass is real pretty in the spring. But um, oh, I'll that, bet that rain's pretty few and far between and <laughs> the, so the farthest south southeast in colorado that i've been would have would have been uh oh good grief i can't remember the name of it right now we went down and it wound up wound up being a disaster but we went down to brand some calves for some folks down there last year me and a buddy of mine and because buddy of uh, buddy ours that had been day working down there called us and said oh yeah we're gonna brand these calves and they uh yeah that we don't need to talk about that but uh <laughs> but but it good grief i'm trying to remember the name of that place anyway it doesn't matter but it was down there starting to get pretty well into the prairie and yeah and i thought man this would have been I mean, it was cool country anyway, but I thought, man, oh man, if a guy could have seen this before they fenced it up. I know it. I uh, like to be Charlie Goodnight or uh, you know Kit Carson out on that on those uh, on that short grass prairie when it was just well, it was just the Indians and buffalo. I mean, oh man, that'd have been cool to see. I sure would have. I I was pretty pretty fortunate, you know. There that that Santa Fe Trail goes right through you know where i grew up and where where i lived there in kansas for a while and uh so like there there's a lot of cool historical stuff like that around there and well, for sure and, <clears throat> you know there was uh it was really only like a 20 20 or 30 year heyday of uh of like the true open range you know ranches there and you know once you get on the you know at least on the east side of the rockies and then, you know, Nevada and Utah, that was, you know, there's still quite a bit of open range, but, um, yeah, it was like a 30 year period on, on the prairie before, <laughs> before the homesteaders caught up with them, where it was just, uh, it was just a heyday of just open range cowboy. Yep. And like that would, that would have been fun. Oh, it would, it would have been like two, two of my favorite books or, uh, trails plowed under by Charlie Russell and we pointed mm -hmm. them Daddy Blue Abbott, and it's just like, man, if you, if you could have been alive then, and just, just, to, or even just to see it, just to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I know it. I, like I was, uh, I was talking to that history professor the other day on, uh, mm. on Packintown, and I, man, I would have loved to seen the Chicago Union stockyards at its heyday. Oh just, man, that would have been. That would have been so cool. Crazy. Like, see, see the the eight. 10 story packing houses and like follow, mm -hmm. follow the carcass all the way down to, yeah. 
just see how all that shit worked. I mean, and like uh, I think, I think he said it was in 1920, like one or two, was like the peak day for cattle, and they received 122,000 head of cattle uh, in one day. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> it's like I, I forget how many they said they shipped, but that's so many, yeah, so that's, many beefs. That's staggering. That's uh, I mean. I worked at a at a hundred twenty thousand head feedlot, and you're just like, so they they received all of these cows in one day at the at the Union Stockyards. Like that had so many cattle. That is that is that's a hell of a lot of cattle. Holy shit! That's uh, yeah. I I'd, I would have loved to seen seen that in the hate. Any of those the those old stockyards back in the day. I'd love to to see them in in operation. <laughs> you know, I, I bet that was kind of like the, like the feedlot job back in the day was, was a uh, stockyard rider. Oh, maybe so. I, I wouldn't so. be, I wouldn't be surprised there. You know, I guess it'd be kind of a mix between the a pen rider and, you know, like a sail barn worker. Yeah. yeah. But I'll be, I never, I never thought of that. Yeah. Um, where were the big, uh, stockyards on, on the west coast I, i'm sure san francisco had one I was, at some point. I was just gonna say it would have been san francisco for sure um, uh probably sacramento too huh that was gonna be yeah that i would i would imagine it would have to have been sacramento and san francisco and uh oh shoot um maybe los did... angeles I was going to say, when, when did L.A. get big? Because it was, uh, for a long time, I think it was just like a little bitty sea town, wasn't it? Yeah, well, and so, do you ever, you ever read any uh, Rojas, Arnold Rojas? Um, no, he's on my list. I, I forget. Oh, who yeah. Told me. Yeah, he, he's good. You'd, you'd like him. And it was cool because, he, you know, he was around, he was, around kind of the tail end of the big ranches, the real big ranches in California and stuff. And so he got to see some of that, but he talked to all the old timers. And so he's got old, old California stories. It's really neat, but he, uh, and I don't know if it's true or not, but if it isn't, it ought to be that the first law passed and like put on the books in Los Angeles when it was just, you know, just a bunch of adobe huts was that there was to be no tailing of steers on the main street. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Like, like, man, I'd have liked to have seen Los Angeles when it was like that. I know. I I was thinking... Well, that book that that history professor wrote uh, with Dominic, he he was talking before they built the that stockyard there. Uh, there was like like a half dozen stockyards throughout Chicago because mm. it was it was kind of a boom town, right? <laughs> um, at the time, and so they had you know like I think they said like six different stockyards throughout the city, and so the Packers would have to go to each one of these yards to get their order for the day. And then they'd just drive them 
through the streets of Chicago to the, oh, the packing plant. Oh, I was like, that would have been a fucking circus. I would have loved every minute of it. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. until they until they built the the Union stockyard and and centralized it all. It was um yeah, it was kind of like Chicago was a, like a real cow town back in the day. Like there was a that was like Cowboy Central before, you know, you know pre I guess pre-World War or C- the Civil War, I guess. Mm. That's wild. Yeah, all the all like the Midwestern farmers drove their their cattle into Chicago, mm. <laughs> and uh, for the yeah, it was it was it's wild how uh, how quick the all of that changed with uh, with locomotives and then trucks. I mean it. Oh, for sure. It uh it, it made yeah it made things way way different. Like they, it changed, it changed the breeds. It changed, uh, changed how, how, uh, except for, for places like Arizona and Nevada and, and, uh, and Utah and, and a few, you know, a few other big spreads elsewhere, but where they're just big enough spreads where, and far enough away from, you know, railheads, I guess, like they really haven't changed how they, they've done things ever, but, outside of those, you know, handful of big outfits, but boy, it, the, the trucks changed everything. The, the fence changed everything. Oh, uh, for <laughs> sure. And that, that's one cool thing I do like about it here is, uh, we, we, you know, cause so many talking about how trucks have changed things like so many places will, you know, just truck stuff around the place. Mm-hmm. And, We'll do a little of that depend depending on what and where we're going, but most all of our stuff, wherever it's going, it's gonna walk there. Yeah. And and I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> it's it's a good thing to it's a good skill to have to be able to, to drive cattle, uh and you know, keep them pointed and <laughs> it's a and in ways, it's kind of a lost skill. I mean, there's, well, for one, you got to have a big enough, big enough outfit to, to be able to trail them, <laughs> instead of instead of just. Yeah, you got to have some place to go with them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. So, and nowadays it's it's usually like a, a half day. You got to drive them something instead of you know where it could be. Back in the old days, and and in different places, it could be, could be a week before you get to where you're going. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. That's uh, yeah. You always kind of miss the, the those days, but then you're also like, hey, we we also got it quite a bit better nowadays than than they they did. They had all the fun, but we got all we got a lot of cool shit nowadays too. We just don't... oh oh absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, shoot, I'm I'm sitting here in Wyoming, and you're sitting there in Nevada, and we're we're conversating. So I know, and I I I put my uh, I put that snaffle bit in my uh, on the in a horse's mouth for the first time today. I from a buddy I met through. This oh yeah, I seen and, I seen that picture. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that freaking Matt Wilson. I love that guy. Oh, <laughs> he, I just pretty cool cat. <laughs> I was just needing uh 
I was wanting to get a new staffle and um I didn't know what I wanted on it. I was like, hey, if you got any ideas that you've kicked around and haven't put on silver yet, I said I need a, a new snaffle and he said, oh, I got let me think on it. And then we were kind of he was shooting some ideas at me. I was like, Yeah, that sounds cool and then he'd send me something else. I'm like, that sounds cool too. I, I I don't know, man, just do your thing. And then he's like, Send me a selfie. I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. Then he put my put my portrait on there and vote McKinley twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's <laughs> the might be the dumbest thing that I own, but I love it. It, it and it's a really nice bit. When, when my oh, mayor, my mayor was uh, was was responding to it real real nicely. So I, it's uh, people might think I'm a little vain, but I I I just think it's really funny. I, oh, it is funny. <laughs> It's uh, like I said, it might be the dumbest thing I own, but it it's I it cracks me up. Well, on one 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 thing's for damn sure, nobody else has one. Yeah, not not a another person in the world has that. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah that that's what I love about Matt Wilson is whatever you get from him, that like there's there's not another one like it. Absolutely, yeah. I I need to order another bit from Matt. I've had I've had several and. I need to order another one. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, him and Rachel, they're they're good people. They're some of my some of they, my favorite they, people on earth. For sure. I, so they're they're in Elko was actually the first time I met him in person. Yeah, and I I was just tickled because I was like, yeah, they're, just, they're I was like, yep, they're just as cool as I always thought they were. I know that's that's the same way when I met him. Uh, I guess it'd been three years ago. I was yeah, it was it was the COVID year. Um, okay. Um, we we were the we were the only live show in Elko that year, uh, <laughs> and I I hadn't met him in person yet. And they uh, we were all we were all staying at Stockman's, and uh, my dad was there. And then, <clears throat> yeah, the the Wilsons rolled into town, and we we were sitting down in the cafe there at Stockman's, getting all sorts of rowdy at like eleven thirty in the morning, and. That'll happen. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, these are these are my kind of people. I like I like these guys a lot. Yeah, they're good folks. Yeah. Just really, really cool, uh, fun hang uh with them and then yeah, they're shit, they're so talented. That Oh no. yeah. Just yeah, that Yeah, they're, they're some, Yeah, they're some of my favorites. Um and yeah, and then Matt's Matt's stuff is just so it's like cool and weird like you know he just yeah i know exactly what you mean it just like i i would have never thought of that and uh and it just yeah he like he made an alien bit he made a mermaid bit made a made a rat rod bit um yeah oh yeah uh, well yeah and he did for for a buddy of mine i think you know him too he he lived not too far from there he did all the space goat hardware yeah yeah, and then he, my favorite one that he did was uh, the Wiley Coyote bit. Yeah, that that, then, that one's a classic. Yeah, and he stamped it Acme. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, that, yeah he stamped Acme spade bit. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, that, that is. Yeah, yeah, he's just he's a goober, but 
uh, like his his stuff is just cool. I, when I uh, saw that one, I was like, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. I know, I know. My I've got the he he made the burning daylight bit. My wife uh, ordered it for it's a floating spade and and uh, <laughs> it's again like that's 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 one that nobody else has and mm. and it just it's pretty pretty cool. I'm I, I was thinking that today. I've got. I've got two of his bits now hanging in my in my tack room. Um I've got another another couple custom bits and uh like ten years ago probably I was it was nothing but classic equine and uh and whatever maybe I had a Kerry Kelly, maybe, but um couldn't afford anything. Now I was like I I've got some decent tack. I'm, I'm no I don't have like the the wall of bits like some guys have. I've got kids, so I don't. <laughs> I, I got to spend it on <laughs> on stuff besides bits. But I was looking at it. Yeah, it was it was like a nice, cool, crisp morning. Um, rigged up a new new snaffle. And I was like, yeah, you know, life's pretty good. I can't complain right now. I got I got some pretty nice tack. I got some pretty decent horses. Uh, I cuss them a lot, but all in all, they're not. They're pretty all right horses for the most part, and life's all right. You bet. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I feel right now. I'm just, I'm just glad that it's finally starting to act like spring. Yeah, yeah, and, it really brings everybody's mood around. Oh <laughs> man, like a buddy of mine said, he said anybody who who doesn't believe that seasonal depressive disorder is a thing mm. should spend a winter or two in carbon county wyoming and shit man it was it was so wet and damp and like gloomy all winter and cold fuck it was cold there for a while but the the hell of it was it it would freeze really hard at night and then i think there was only there may be a week where it didn't get above freezing but then it usually like get just above freezing enough for for it to melt off a little bit, and then refreeze overnight. And, you know, new ruts and oh yeah, like you just couldn't even get a horse back uh, in these in these feedlot pins. You know, just... oh oh for sure. <laughs> like we so we kind of had a similar similar deal uh, where when we we started thawing out and it freeze at night, and we're about a month behind. Yeah, maybe three weeks. Three weeks or a month behind when we would normally be getting sorted up and turned out. Mm-hmm. And sorting, because uh, we we kind of bring bring everything to the pins, and we usually sort about three ways depending. And uh, oh man, those pins were miserable. Yeah, yeah. It just it it sucked, and it just it was just spent. I spent the winter afoot, which that that's the worst thing for for any guy that the works a horseback. <laughs> like spending spending extended time afoot is is the worst. Absolutely. I uh, I was uh, we went <laughs> we went to the ocean uh, over spring break, and my we were we were walking back up to the car, and it was like I don't know, like half mile or something like that. And my my little boy was like. Uh, 
And he's like, it's pretty fun. I said, yeah. And if next time we come back to the ocean, we're coming a horseback. And he's like, why? And I was like, because we're cowboys. We don't like to walk. And he's like, I don't like to walk either. I was like, All right. Well, that's that's the first step in, the, in becoming a cowboy. <laughs> oh, you bet. Yeah. Well, and it, like a, a good buddy of mine uh, run, gets up and runs every morning. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that, I mean, that'd be, it'd probably be good for me, but. But if you ever see me running, you better run too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh I've been trying to get into the to the workout deal. I just like I'm <clears throat> I'm coming up on 40 here pretty quick and the beer belly's not going to be getting smaller, I don't think unless I <laughs> unless I like make a concerted effort to to keep yeah. it off, you know, like it it's a little harder to shed twenty pounds in the in the summer. Like I used to be able to do that. Like like uh you know like three weeks I'd be down, you know down twenty pounds and I'd I'd be I'd be in my in my you know at my fighting weight all summer and then yep bulk bulk back up in the winter and <clears throat> I still that... I still shed some weight in the in the spring and summer but not like I used to. The sw- the swing's getting a little smaller. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh yeah, the bulk's getting a little heavier and then the the shed's not not as not as good. So I uh yeah, I've been trying to get into the the workout regime and that yeah, I'm not a fan of what the working out. Been off again on again this winter and I kind of need to get back, but, but the upside to that is I kind of don't have to now. Cause now I'm getting out and getting around my country and building fence and doing all that good stuff. So. Yep. That's exactly right. So yeah. It's kind of take care once, of itself, but. Once you get in, in the saddle again, it's, uh, yeah, you, you, uh, well, and, and when you have daylight to do shit too, that that's another thing is you just don't have time to do anything in the winter. Cause it's... Oh yeah. Well, and that's, that was one of the worst things here is, you know, when the days started getting longer, but mm-hmm. our weather didn't get any better. Yeah. And that was when I really started to go crazy as I was, you know, cause I'd go out and feed and do, do whatever I had to do and could do. But I was like, good grief. I have. I have daylight, I have time, but I can't get around and do anything. Yep. And yeah. that started getting bad. Oh, it it was um like we we'd get a couple couple nice days in a row and think, "All right, maybe maybe shit's going to start to dry out." And then it'd come in and just dump some more snow oh, on us. You're just like, "Fuck." Yeah. And uh yeah, I I kept telling one of our one of the truckers that that uh hauls our sail barn calves, you probably know him, but uh uh oh Dennis was I was telling myself I just I'm getting a sudden urge to grow my hair long and start playing grunge music. I feel like I'm in <laughs> fucking Seattle right now. <laughs> just is this what it's like to live up there? Uh just gloomy all the time. It's no wonder they're so fucking weird up there. Just Oh yeah. Yeah, it's that all when you don't when you don't get enough daylight and it it yeah it gets bad and so funny story on that the first win- winter that I spent out here which I've only, I've been out here for two winters now mm-hmm. and the first winter 
is is more winter than I'd ever really seen, but for this country, it wasn't much of a winter. Yeah. Know? And uh, I guess it would have been, let's see, would have been about February. I called a buddy of mine up the road, and I was like, dude, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, and I was telling, and he goes, dude, you have cabin fever. Like, it's a thing. Yeah. And he's like, this is your first winter out here. It's going to happen. And I was yep. like, oh, okay. <laughs> you, you know, and, but it, it was, and then this winter, like, I've, you know, I've got it a couple times. And now I, now I recognize it when it's coming on, you know, but it was, it was real funny that first winter. I was, I, I, I was not, I was like, am I? Like, do I need to go to the doctor? Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know, I'm just getting depressed, no energy. And then I'll have way too much energy for a short period of time. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. No, it's, uh, it's wild like that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's why so many guys started like braiding rawhide and shit. That, that stuff oh, takes time. Sure. And, uh. Yeah, when you're just cooped up all winter, you got to do something to pass the time. Like, that's why yeah, most, most most cowboys, you know, are so well read. There's nothing else to do in the winter. That's that's a fact. That's a fact. I that's all I I, I read and kind of the other thing I decided to do this winter is get to where I could actually cook a little bit because couldn't get to town and get anything decent to eat and i thought well if i'm gonna eat good i'm gonna have to cook it so yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i used to be i just kind of throw something in the in the microwave but i like i i, I pay a lot like I, i'm a pretty decent cook and i i if i'm gonna take the time to cook something i'm gonna make sure it's good absolutely and uh yeah so it's uh yeah, then when I, was, when I was up in Montana, I I read and read and read and read. I uh, I watched, you know, <laughs> the couple times I made it to town before before cabin season. I I bought some DVDs and you know, I watched yep. them all over and over again, and then read some more. And uh it was uh, it was funniest thing. You could buy Louis L'Amour novels for a penny off of Amazon, but it cost you four dollars to ship them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so I'd buy like like six Louis L'Amour novels for six cents, and then then get charged four bucks for shipping. I, I think that was yeah, those were the days before uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, you bet. And. uh <clears throat> Yeah, and it was uh and just bitter fucking cold. I've never been so cold in my life as as that that winter up in Montana. Oh. Yeah. Get get some cabin fever for sure. Oh okay. yeah. What what kind of cold? Like how cold would it get? We had a 17-day stretch where the high never got above negative 10. Oh yeah. Yeah, we uh, had a little little of that this winter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's stupid cold. And you know, we'd get right before Christmas was one of the colder stretches. Well, was when that that big, big 
storm system came through <laughs> we were we were on the edge of it we didn't get hammered by snow as much but the one that really hammered like the dakotas mm. Nebraska, that was that system and and we were 40 below you know and it's yeah that's stupid cold yeah and yeah and I'll, I'll, I'll never i'll never forget because I, I was trying to get out of here and go home for christmas for a couple of days and i was looking at the weather and whatnot and a fr- friend of mine posted on facebook and i think it was on the 22nd of december it was colder in valentine nebraska than it was at the north pole no no shit and I was like, man, oh man, why do we live out here? <laughs> I know it's a it's a tough it's most beautiful country on earth is uh is west of the Mississippi River. Uh you know, I think you throw throw everything west of the Mississippi uh all the way to the Pacific. That's uh, I think that's the most beautiful country on earth. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot more of, of the the world than that, but in, in my humble opinion, that's that's the most beautiful country on earth, but boy, it's some of the toughest to live in, though. Oh yeah, it's it, uh, yeah, it like, takes a hard people. Abs- absolutely, and like like we say here, you know, because pe- people come here in the winter, or whatever, and be like, "Why in the world do you live here?" It's like, well, from June through September, you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. But yeah, it's you just uh, have to put up put up with the winters. Right. I mean like from like around here, I mean it and it's like spring's been a long time coming, but when it finally hits and you know like the the snow's melting is melting off, everything's green and you got you still got a bunch of snow up top. I mean it is like the and then the sagebrush is going to be just like extra green this year it seems like. Oh, yeah. And it and everything smells good and yeah it's hard not to love it and then there's days where you're just like fuck i wish i worked in a cubicle right now (laughs) oh yeah yeah Yeah. but then i don't know then you you go sit in city traffic for for 20 minutes i'm cured of of any any thought of that ah well that that's for sure like and it's been a while since i went down there but like if you got to drive through Denver or something, yeah, uh, yeah, Denver's, and and then when you talk to people that are like live in the like the actual cities, you know, like like um you know, <clears throat> L.A. or Phoenix or Chicago or New York or something, they're like, oh, Denver traffic's nothing. And I thought I thought Den- Denver traffic. I don't get too much anxiety, but Denver traffic traffic gave me anxiety for a long time. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Especially if you're going through there with a trailer load of horses or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't like driving through, through the cities. I, 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 I'll do it, but I, I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's overrated for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's not many places in, in the West that are, they're easy places to to live. Like there's a lot of beautiful country out there, but it's uh comes at a price. No doubt. Well, that, that's why I told somebody 
somebody one time we were talking about about california and how it got to you know and and i i there's a hell of a lot of cool country and a hell of a lot of good people in california mm-hmm. but california's a mess mm-hmm. and and i said well that that's why it got to be that way is because everybody wanted to live there yeah yeah we when we were driving um no, when you come over 88 and you go through like Santa uh, all all the way down to like Santa Rosa. Okay. And it was everything was green and uh I'm just like I get why people move here. I I understand it 100%. Oh yeah. And, and uh I just I was telling my wife so I just want to catch a long trot and go let's see and see what's on the other side of that hill. Like I want to go find cows on the other side of that hill, and then the one on the other side of that. <clears throat> it just it was like the the grass the the side of the hill just looked spongy, you know, like it was yep. so green. It's like I I feel like it's gonna, yeah, it's got like some some sponginess to it. Yeah, it, and talking about about pretty country, I I don't think there's anywhere prettier than California in the springtime. I yeah, it's I, I've I've said it plenty of times on, on here that I get yeah, California is the most beautiful place on earth. I mean it's yep. it has everything. That that coastal highway is fucking amazing. And I only drove we only drove like twenty minutes of it. I like <laughs> I was like, I, I wanna start down in San Diego and take it all the way up and, oh, and yeah. just just to just yeah, to see the country. Cool. Yeah, that'd be pretty dang cool. Yeah. That's also another one. Can you imagine being like the first first white guys pulling into San Francisco Bay and <laughs> and and just seeing seeing that, you know, w- without um, any without any buildings and shit. It's like, man, well, that and not a, you know and I'm not anti anti trees for any means but imagine california before they put the almonds and all that in when all it was was grass oh yeah <laughs> yeah for sure like the 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 trees were in the hills and then like yeah, the... yeah it was just the oak trees and, and stuff but before you know before they went to farming like hmm yeah that when when you had like the old ranchos uh yeah. like the the old land grant uh, ranches from the Spaniards. I mean, man, that had to have been cool. Well, and it's similar, like, you know, we were talking about, about the prairies and whatnot. Like, it's kind of a, a, a cruel irony if you, like, all the best cow country in the world also happens to be where you can farm the easiest. <laughs> yeah. And that that's the the craziest thing about the high plains is it turns out you really can't farm it that easy and right if they would have right. left it to grass um man you could uh like ranchers could have thrived there you know quite oh. a bit yeah yeah easy, easy being relative i should yeah. say and but the the population would have never taken off. It'd have been like right. you know, like King County, Texas, where there's just there's the four sixes and that's it. I mean, it there'd be 
<laughs> like most of Eastern Colorado would be like that. Uh, most of Western Kansas would be like that. Yeah. <laughs> the Texas That's... Panhandle was like that for, for, you know, the Panhandle held out the longest, but still, even then it, it all got broken up into, into quarter section, half sections and, yep. <clears throat> and people try to farm and they're still trying to farm it, but man, if they would have just left it in the grass, yep. like, yeah, like that, that Buffalo grass, man, cows do good on it. It, it is, uh, and it doesn't take a lot of rain for it to look, to really, to really grow well. And yeah, instead they're trying to grow wheat and corn. Yeah. Well, that, that's one thing that's cool about, uh, about the sand hills in Nebraska mm-hmm. is they got there. And they realized after they got their asses kicked, they figured out that they literally couldn't farm it. Mm-hmm. And that that and like I said, I'm I'm not anti-farmer. So, I mean, somebody's got to grow grain for my horses, but mm-hmm. but that that is so cool to me that they just cannot farm the sand hills. Yep, <laughs> and, and it's some of the best cow country on earth. Oh yeah. And you know, good grass and high water table and uh, a mm-hmm. buddy of mine's working out there right now and I've been out there a couple times to see him and I was like, Good grief, this is pretty cool country. Yeah, it really is. But did, yeah, did, it Oh go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead, go ahead, you're good. I was, I was say yeah, it's um <clears throat> and they're like you know, they're there's still uh smaller you know, like smaller pastures, smaller parcels and whatnot. There's no, no real public land to speak of, <clears throat> but it's just, yeah, that sand hills area. Like, there's not much else you can do with it except run cows and yep, run run cows. They do and they do well at it. Yeah, they do. It yeah, it's pretty dang cool country. Uh, going back to talking about like trying to farm country that you shouldn't. Have you ever read? much elmer kelton yeah i love elmer kelton uh he's uh the the day it, or the time it never rained uh yep. the day the cowboys quit yeah they're those are he's a uh, oh good uh, he's a hell of a he's a hell of an author I, I i really enjoy him yeah i'd i'd never read any elmer kelton until this winter and a buddy of mine that i work with is like you sh- you should really Yeah, he's uh <clears throat> excellent author. I as there's um I'll uh send me your address when we're when we're done here and I'll I'll uh I'll pass this book on to you. But uh, the worst hard time, I don't know if you've ever read it. You there? Thank you there. Are you there? there? We are. I got yep. you now. Yep. I I was hearing you. I don't know what what was going on there, but uh, yeah, I've I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Okay, well, or, or who who wrote it? Uh, Timothy Egan. Yeah, I don't know if I have read it, but it sounds familiar. So it's it's on the dust bowl, and uh, 
Hmm. So the the author uh, interviewed some some people that I I knew. Um, and anyway, yeah, we'll send me your address when we get done. I'll uh, I'll I'll send you this book. I'll lend it out to you. And uh, it's it's a good one. Um, <clears throat> but it it just goes to, and, and he he tells the story of like how how the how it got settled and, and like how there was this big land land boom uh with the homestead act and like there was a bunch of germans that came over from right. they were like <clears throat> um they called them volga germans they were on the volga river which was kind of kind of over by russia i guess <clears throat> but they yeah they all they all farmed wheat and that's the thing is when when it rains you can grow a hell of a wheat crop dry land yeah. But when it don't, you can't grow much of anything, <laughs> and yep, ex- except for that 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 buffalo grass. The native grass grows and, really well, and it's and very you, drought tolerant. And if you tear up your sod, yep, that wind just never stops blowing, and um, yeah, there goes your there goes your topsoil. Yeah, well, yeah, like. And it's in, um, I I think it's in the good old boys, the Elmer Kelton. And, Mm. and he said, that God's already planted the grass. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing is if you didn't plow it up, you didn't, you know, so-called, you know, make so-called improvements on it, uh, you lost your claim. Like, but, and they didn't consider a, a fence uh, an improvement, but you had to, you had to plow it up or something. Yep. And, <clears throat> well, don't give them the land in the first place if it, you know, like looking, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but looking back on it, like, mm, maybe the, maybe uh, they should have, just left it to to ranching and you know because it, it, it that that's uh that was one of the the biggest man made disasters in the history of the world you know with yep. the dust bowl oh, yeah uh, yeah like the the weather's gonna do what the weather's gonna do but um the weather has no effect on you tearing up your the ground and and leaving it leaving the dirt to blow i mean only yeah. reason the dirt blew was because uh you turned it over exactly <clears throat> so yeah it's uh that was uh i mean they there was um there was times where there was dust settling on the on the window sills in new york city from from i i've heard i've heard i heard that and uh Another interesting thing, talking about plowing and and losing losing topsoil, and I, it's been long enough ago that I heard this that I can't remember the figures, but uh, you know when when the first explorers, settlers, whatever, were riding through the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia, they said there was grass tall enough that a man a horseback could reach out level without having to reach down and 
grab a handful of grass and tie it in a knot. Gee, that is grass now. I mean, well, I mean, because you, you know, you think about what kind of soil and how much rain they get back there, and it was oh I yeah, mean, and that's you know, of course, Shenandoah Valley is big time farming country now, but back then it was just grass. Yeah, and then that's wild. And I don't remember the year that, like, from when from when they because, like I said, I it's been years ago that I heard all this. But from when they started farming and plowing it up, all the oyster or oyster and mussel, one of those clamfish, mm-hmm. all the shellfish population in the Chesapeake Bay was virtually wiped out. And really? the floor of the Chesapeake Bay raised so many feet because of all the topsoil that washed downstream holy shit huh that that's interesting so that's and why i like that i may have to go back down that rabbit hole and try and find those figures it's been a long time since i thought of that but well it makes sense though because that so that'd be like why the the mississippi delta is yeah. such rich farm country because you get all that topsoil coming down from essentially canada all the way yep. down and it settles there in that delta region um you know louisiana mississippi and yep <clears throat> that's crazy um i was also reading so there's this it's a book but it's it's really like a collection of letters and speeches from this guy um they called him roddy but is like roger Sheel. they called him roddy Sheel, and he was a cattle buyer back in the in the 1800s late late 1800s during the whole the beef boom and he was talking about how you know Kentucky's known as the bluegrass state but it's not even native to Kentucky it's uh it originated around in like Indiana huh. <laughs> yeah and during during one of like the I don't know if it was the war of 1812 or something, but like one of the armies that had to march um, down from like Cincinnati to somewhere there in Kentucky, they, uh, or some, some, somehow is, is the soldiers like they, uh, they ended up uh, taking seeds back to Kentucky and, and planting it there because the climate was perfect for it. And, but they had to clear all the trees and shit for it. Like it was, uh, it was a lot, all, all hardwood forests and kind of, kind of the way like Kentucky, Illinois, Indiana, all that, which is good farm ground now, but it, that used to be heavily wooded. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like the, when, when, when it comes to, I guess as far as the white man goes, because the Indians just lived, they just moved as they needed to. And, uh, but as far as the white men go, uh, making, you know, making cities and stuff and then clearing land to, to grow food for the cities. Yeah. uh, Grow grain. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just funny how, and I guess kind of like the Eastern Kansas is kind of that same way. Like they're, they're always, fighting them oak trees and like scrub oaks that oh really <laughs> that pop up and uh, i wonder if that's just 
kind of native to that that country is uh probably so it's wild it's uh interesting country we live in you know oh absolutely i uh <clears throat> there's a lot of a lot of parts of the world that i want to learn about but there's still a lot here that that i that i need to learn about first you know oh but, uh, absolutely and uh we've been around for not very long compared to the rest of the world and there's still a lot that i i i, I want to learn about you know there's like i i need to I need to get some more Florida guys on and, and talk about the, you know, the Florida cracker cowboys. And, uh, oh, yeah. there's uh cause that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty big cow country down there too. Yeah. Like the, the yeah. Biggest, for sure. There's, there's a lot of cows down there. The biggest, uh, biggest ranch in the country is in, in Florida and it's own it's uh, owned by the yep. Mormon church. Deseret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Mormons. I did not realize. I mean, I knew they were always kind of big players in the in in the cattle world. You know, they <clears throat> Deseret's got a pretty decent sized feedlot there in Kansas, and mm. uh, <clears throat> but then, yeah, then when I was I was researching into that Easter Day deal, well, it was the it was the Mormon Church that bought out that that Easter Day operation, and uh, <clears throat> up in Washington and. Yeah, like Mormons have always been pretty big in the cattle business. Oh yeah, yo, yeah. you uh, talking about? Hold on, hold on. I'm 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 trying not to go down multiple rabbit trails at once. <laughs> uh, I had a, I had a guy tell me last year um, that actually that works for works for Deseret. Uh, one in four French fries really is produced by the Mormon Church. Really. Yep. Huh. Well, and, they they are and pretty was, big up in Idaho, so that yeah, makes sense. There's some other statistics, but that's the one that stuck out because if you think about how many French fries, mm-hmm. I mean it. That's a lot. But uh, talking about Mormons in the in the cattle business, um, there's a book. I'm trying to remember what. Uh, it's called One Man's West, and I can't remember the author's name, but you've been talking about uh, Western Colorado, mm-hmm. and that's that's where he was, and he was talking about, and they went, and it would have been back in like the 40s, 50s, and they would go buy replacement heifers from a guy in eastern Utah. Mm-hmm. And he, they said he was one of the first Mormon cowboys because a lot, a lot of them raised sheep. Yeah, but they say he kind of started the Mormons in the cattle industry. And it was, it was real, real, real good book. Uh, one, one man's West. Yes, and it's actually it's sitting right over here. I'll go see who wrote it. Um, by david, david lavender yes sir that's nice i'm gonna and put that on that, my that's list that's a good one i'm gonna put th- so I, I i don't think i ever got all the way through it but i i was listening to uh, an audiobook um it was called polygamy on the Perdinalis, 
and it was talking about uh, a Mormon sect that um, it was like a splinter splinter group off like the the original Mormons there in in Nauvoo, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And they went. He went down to Texas with, and they he was a, uh, but he did not get along with uh, Brigham Young, and so like they were like their own branch of Mormonism down there. But they. Okay. They they were full polygamists and everything and and like but he was like he was true to Joseph Smith didn't like uh, Brigham Young, um, but he he was responsible for sending one of the first beef herds to uh to Utah, and hmm. so <laughs> those that's the thing about the Mormons they sent those missionaries fucking everywhere, they yep. still do I mean they they are everywhere and so they're they're always there was always like a a little a uh, little bunch of mormons popping up everywhere and then <laughs> brigham young said come to come to utah well i mean and shoot you know we talked about california but i i've always said like if you go through utah and there's dang sure a lot of desert but i always said man they picked a dang good place to stop because utah is beautiful yeah it is there's utah's utah's pretty good country and um the funny part of it is they they picked utah because it wasn't in the u.s and then (laughs) immediately immediately as they started settling there the the u.s went to war with mexico and won utah and they're like shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh but yeah it's 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 pretty crazy. Like I um I I got a, a good appreciation for for those uh those history guys that strictly do history podcasts like Dan Carlin, like Oh yeah. Yeah, man, I, I haven't listened to much of his in a while, but I, I've listened to quite a few of his and I really enjoy He it. is so good, but you know, I when I, I started down this this path of trying to do the Mormon migration story and you just go from book to book to book to book, and you're like, Shit, I'm not even really sure where to start with all this. And it's like, eh, that's why, that's why Dan Dan Carlin is like a master of what he does. Yeah, he he's something else. Yeah, those are. Like, and then you know, like this this meatpacking deal that I've been researching too, and it's same thing. I, <laughs> it's um. I will say though, it it's way easier to find stuff on the Mormons than it is uh on the meatpacking uh industry because <laughs> while the Mormons were pretty secretive, they uh they wrote everything down. Yep, they kept kept excellent records, still do. Yep, and uh the meatpackers did too, but they um <laughs> would, would 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 lose records uh when when it suited them you know yeah like, oh there's another fire in in the in the packing house um, yeah so like there's yeah it, it's uh it's a little harder to to find <laughs> find some like good good uh research material on 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 that there's and the the problem with on the mormon side is there's so much out there uh when, when you start digging because they're oh yeah it would uh, it would have to be overwhelming i'd imagine it it, it can be because um because not only did the mormons keep excellent records um 
everybody from like 18, you know, 40 or so till oh, 1900 about uh, hated the Mormons too. So for right. every, every book that the Mormons wrote, there was another book uh, denouncing the Mormons. So there's a lot out there, <laughs> a whole bunch. I'll bet. Um, and, and my deal is like, I, I don't even really care about the religion that much. Like the polygamy and stuff. Some of the weirder stuff is, uh, is fun to, to kind of, kind of delve in on, but more than anything, they went from settling in Salt Lake city, <coughs> you know, or, you know, staking out their claim in Salt Lake city there. And within, I think five years, um, they had 20,000 people living there. Yeah. And you're just like, holy shit. And then they, they were instrumental in, uh, in the building of the transcontinental railroad. Right. And, and they, like, they, they kind of went to war with the U S army eventually lost, but they gave them hell for, for a little while. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they were also like, Hey, if the, the U S army invades, burn everything and head to the hills. I'm like I I kind of respect it. They're like fuck you. Well, you ain't getting you ain't getting any of our stuff. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good way to go about that, really. Yeah, I I I always respect it. They're like ah, we may not beat you, but you ain't getting any of our shit either. We'll burn mm-hmm. it before you get it. <clears throat> it was um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting story, and so I. One of these days, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hellacious podcast series. You bet. Just uh, it, it might it might take years to get there. Well, it's already taken years. <laughs> I haven't got much closer than when I started, but I've read a lot of books. Well, there you go. That's got to be worth something. Yeah, it is. Oh, well, it gives me appreciation for for those guys too. It's uh, <clears throat> that also when you when you delve into any religion, there's like. There's a lot of weird shit written in those those holy books that like even the even the people that subscribe to the those religions are like, eh, I don't know. I don't have a good explanation for why it says that. <laughs> Times were different, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And uh, I feel like I feel like a lot of the Mormon guys are like that too. It's like I I wasn't around when they made the religion. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, that's just what we do. Yeah. It's uh, there's a lot of good cowboys out of Utah. I've uh, I've I've had a had a chance to work with with several of them, and the ones I the ones I have are pretty damn handy. You bet. <clears throat> Where's uh, so you you've kind of been around quite a you're you're a single guy, right? Yes, sir. Single, ready to mingle, ladies. Hit him, <laughs> hit him up, hit him up on the gram, um, but. Four four wheel drives required. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um but but you've you've kind of bounced around a little bit in, in your day, haven't you? Yeah, a little bit. Mo- mostly uh mostly around Nevada like mostly worked in Nevada and here, but I've like I I am always down to make a trip somewhere. You know? Yeah. Like so I've I've seen a lot of places and been around a lot of places that I haven't necessarily worked. Yeah. Know? But that's that's kinda 
like I've I've punched cows quite a few places, but I've seen a lot. And then then the cool thing about about the internet and social media in particular, like the the cowboy world, it's a lot bigger than than you'd you would expect. And then then you get on Facebook and you get in some of these groups, and then um you're like oh okay, so then it shrinks down a little bit. Um, but there's still a lot of still a lot of good cowboys out there. Um, oh yeah, and and it's always been one one of my favorite things about this this podcast is talking from guys from different parts of the country and how they do things and why they do things and you know, um, I don't know. I've I've always I've always said it too. Just like a, a hand, a hand is a hand, and a hand can can see that. And yes. so like you, you can always tell, I, I think I was talking with, uh, with Tuffy the other night and it's like, you know, even at a bar, like you could see some guy that's, that's all punched out to the, to the gills, got all the, all the right stuff on, you know, got the, the leather jacket with the, or the, you know, the jean jacket with the leather collar. Oh yeah. <laughs> got the, got the handmade boots and, and the, you know, air, looks the part and then there'll be another guy with uh like a like a dirty pearl snap shirt and and uh you know converse or something and you're like something <laughs> about something about the way the guy in the converse holds himself tells me he can swing a rope pretty good you know and like it's 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 i don't know you you, you get to you get a feeling from from certain guys just the way they 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 carry themselves like ah he he's wearing some nice stuff but i don't know if he he can actually go you know, stick it to one. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and so it used to be like, I, and it's it's cool. Like the 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 more you get around, like you grow up in a certain area. So like, say you you grew up here in Nevada, and you see somebody with a taco hat, and you're like, well, that guy doesn't know shit. And then like the more you get around guys with taco hats, you're like, well, there's some pretty handy motherfuckers down there. And same way with me, like it was it was a lot of <laughs> a lot of taco hats and. Not a whole lot of tying on hard, but some. Um, but you see a guy packing sixty foot of rope and and uh, and a flat hat, and you're like, mm, he's one of those those snobby uh, buckaroo types. And <laughs> that, you know that that whole uh, stereotype is there for a reason. There, some some of these buckaroo types are the most uptight motherfuckers I've ever met in my life. They are handy, don't get me wrong, but. There's a there's a lot of them that are just some uptight sons of bitches. Oh yeah, it, it, so it it's kind of kind of my my personal opinion. Like, and you, you, even worse than face Facebook is TikTok. I don't know if oh. you're on TikTok. I I don't do much on. I used to be on it, and I just it. I think I'm too old for it. Is uh, I, I got on there after I broke my leg when I was stove up and bored out of my mm-hmm. mind and it is unreal <laughs> and, and and not to knock anybody from anywhere but but basically what i've decided in a nutshell what the quote-unquote cowboy side of tiktok is for them i mean there's some cool shit on tiktok don't get me wrong but is a bunch is a bunch of guys from Arkansas and Missouri that got oh. themselves a taco hat and a horn knot 
and think that makes him a cowpuncher. Uh, and a bunch of guys from Wyoming and Nebraska that bought a 60 foot cotton rope and a flat palm leaf and think that makes him a buck. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, anybody can buy the hat. Anybody can, can buy the rope and, and honestly, anybody can catch, uh, catch a bovine with a rope. It's all what happens when the rope comes tight. That, yes. That's that's when, when it separates. Because anybody can get lucky and catch one at, at any given point. Yes. And another thing, and it was, it was kind of funny because like, like we were talking earlier, you know, I'd pretty well just been around Nevada and a little bit in California. Never, never worked in California, but I've been around California quite a bit. And, uh, You know, I'd seen guys pack shorter ropes or whatever, and but but you know, kind of a long rope slick horn was always the predominant style that I was around, and that's just what I was used to. And come out here, guys do a little bit of everything. But there were a bunch of guys out here when I when I first came out here. Some of the guys I got around that kind of wanted to talk shit about long rope slick horn guys, and I was like, well, what what the fuck is your guys's problem? And then mm -hmm. I got around a couple guys that had just decided that they were going to be long rope slick horn guys, but didn't know what they were doing. Uh, and I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's just about 20, you know, about 35 extra foot of rope that you can get caught up in. Well, exactly. Just, you know, and this is going to come as, I mean, some people this would come as a surprise apparently just because you have 60 foot of rope doesn't mean you need to dally on the end of it all the time <laughs> no no and like there's nothing wrong with necking something real short and then running your rope out there about yeah. 30 foot and yeah. and and letting them choke down a little bit and you know saves on your horse i i love the long rope i i really do 100 <laughs> percent. i I grew up uh, dallying on rubber and then occasionally tying hard. And I, I've, I've done all, all three. I've done, I've done everything except, uh, you know, like the Argentine gaucho style and, and, you know, tied hard to your, to your cinch ring. I, like that's the yeah, only style of, of roping <laughs> I haven't done. <clears throat> and I and they do that with a long rope too, like that. I know it. It's, that's crazy. It's crazy. Um, And then, I mean, then you can, I, I guess the, the Mongolians don't really herd cattle much, but man, I bet if they did, they'd be the best cowboys on earth. I I tell you, talking about going like that is one place I would love to go. That would be cool. I uh, I kind of wish we weren't semi at war with Russia right now because I'd kind of like yeah. to go over there. Yeah, that would kind of put a in it. Yeah, but yeah, you watch some of those those videos from the Mongolian uh, types and. Oh like, yeah, you, like you think an Indian can set a horse uh, really well? Like, yeah, go go look at some of those Mongolians or like the Afghan uh, types, yeah. like this those step people. Oh, there there's a book for you, um, on the trail of Genghis Khan. Okay, okay. There's a, there's another one. It's um it's not so much uh, horse centric, but it I mean, it kind of is. But it's called the greatest game, and it's uh, about when the the Brits tried to take over Afghanistan, Ooh, you <laughs> and and it's 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 interesting like that. That I'll whole bet. region, 
that that whole region of the world like man they uh <laughs> they've beat the two most powerful armies well three in a row back to back to back they beat the three most powerful armies in the world at the time the brits the russians and then us yeah and <laughs> and and they they did it with uh essentially a bunch of goat herders yep and uh you're just like I, I, you, you want to hate those people, but at the same time, you're like, man, I, I respect the shit out of it. Absolutely. Like those, those Taliban fucks are kind of some evil motherfuckers, but they beat us. And then <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I read something the other day that the, the Russians were trying to buy a bunch of the weapons that we left over there. And the Taliban told them to go pound sand. <laughs> And uh, and then China tried to tried try to cozy up with them and and uh, get them to open a let them open a, a lithium mine there and they told China to pound sand too <laughs> and I was like fucking ta- <laughs> Taliban don't play dude <laughs> no that that's fact and you're like man I I hate those people but fucking you know respect they're, they're good at what they do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to respect it. You're like, well, and you know what? They're consistent. They told everybody to fuck off. You bet. It's it's crazy. Well, hey, you got uh, like another 20 in you? Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm going to take a leak, uh, and we'll uh, we'll call it good for the, the main episode. We'll come back and do a little bonus for the, the Patreon folks. Heck, yeah. All right. Well, you got anywhere that you want people to follow you on social media or are you good? Uh, if they want, they can go uh, follow my Instagram. It's which I, I think I have it set up to where you have to send a request, but it's uh, Wade and Spade. Oh, that's right. Wade and Spade. Or, yeah, and he... I, I think I have a 98 on there, too. I think yeah. it's Wade and Spade 98. Either way. Search him up, Caleb Holly. He's uh, you got you you post some pretty cool pictures from time to time, and you you've got some uh, you're friends with some really good photographers too, and they they've taken some some really cool pictures of you over the years. Yeah, they 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 make me look better than I am. <laughs> hey, that's all that matters. Uh, anyways, uh, Caleb Holly, this has been a fun time. Uh, go check him out, and thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you'd like to hear the rest of the conversation, I know I know you want to. Cost you five bucks. Patreon.com slash burning daylight. It's the best way to uh to help out the show. Helps me uh, be able to go put on shows uh in Elko. Uh hopefully doing one in South Carolina this summer. Helps me go uh go meet some cool people like Boots O'Neill and uh yeah, you uh you you uh, add to the quality of my life as well because I get to meet some really cool people, talk to some really cool people, and uh, continue doing this cool thing that I, I really enjoy. So thanks, everybody that has signed up and uh, everybody that will sign up. Uh, Caleb, been fun, and uh, we'll be back for the Patreon side of things. Uh, everybody else, move your ass. We're burning daylight. A starvation place on the patch of sand Railroad ties and old rusty wire Driving them T-Post 
through the hard pan Hoping the price of feed wouldn't get no higher Dehorning tar on your shirt Coffee, tobacco, Corona salve Worthless dogs sneaking around everywhere And bad luck was only luck we had It tell of the West Had a rural ride address Nothing very extraordinary An ordinary tale of the West Feeding cattle in a dry lot Beat pulp and blue mix, moldy hay Bony hip, sorry looking Bramer Cross Hoping they could gain three pounds a day Tin roof on the barn, flapping in the wind Foot rotten, pink eye, and warble flies Twelve cc's of terramycin Just swinging our loops underneath the open sky It tell of the west Had a rural ride address Nothing very extraordinary An ordinary tale of the West Those who've been there know what I mean Lots of folks can sing this song Living the romance Living the dream Trying to make a living Trying to get it on It tell of the West Had a rural ride address Nothing very extraordinary An ordinary tale of the West An ordinary tale of the West